Welcome to the Inquisitive VC. Today, I'm speaking with Paige Finn Doherty. Paige is the founding partner at Behind Genius Ventures, a fund investing in early-stage product-led growth companies in the future of work and the future of play. Paige is also the author of Seed to Harvest, a book demystifying VC for children and adults. Until recently, she was also a developer success engineer at WorkOS. We talk about her interest in VC, Seed to Harvest, founding a venture fund, palette, and more. I hope you enjoy this episode. So first off, thanks for joining me. I know we've been trying to schedule this for a bit, um, so I'm excited to have you. Of course. Yeah, it's an honor. I'd love to start with essentially what sparked your interest to getting into venture capital. Sure. I kind of fell into venture is the honest truth. I like to joke that I got into venture because managing rappers didn't work out. Um, and I spent a lot of time at school with uh, artists and creators, and I really just enjoyed being around people that had this spark and, um, and curiosity and creativity about how they how they viewed the world and, and what they wanted to create in it and that vision. And I saw that shared by a lot of early stage founders. And so um, junior in school, I competed at a venture capital competition. I was just really interested in like spending time with people that wanted to build stuff. It was really interesting to me. And I, um, I never knew exactly what I wanted to build, but I felt an entrepreneurial spark myself. And I think I found the answer to that when I talked to more and more emerging fund managers who are running their own funds. And, you know, as much as investing is a very large part of what you do as an emerging fund manager, it's also about building the business and thinking long-term about building a firm. And so that has kind of <laughs> satiated my my like entrepreneurial longing, um, and I feel really lucky to be able to support early stage entrepreneurs at kind of the intersection of the future of work and the future of play. I just I just love hanging out with really really talented people, asking them questions, and um, helping them grow businesses that I think will make the world a, a little bit better. For sure. And I guess, is, is that the reason you decided to start your own fund rather than joining a fund and, and working for a fund first? There's actually something that I really heavily considered. I applied for a bunch of funds. I got rejected from a bunch of funds. Honestly, as a, as a state school kid with like, no, <laughs> you know, it wasn't like I, like if you saw me on paper, it might not have been that I would have automatically stood out in like a resume reader. Um, but I was really passionate about it. And I knew that that passion would shine through. And I got the opportunity to actually um, a partner track role at a firm in, in Boston and absolutely love the team. I did an onsite there, but ultimately it ended up deciding to stay in San Diego to be with my family. That's, that's really important to me. And I think through that decision, I realized that I would have to make venture work for me because my, my passion for venture, but my value framework of staying close to my family, um, what I thought that they were conflicting, but they actually work really well together in harmony. I just had to listen a bit deeper to, um, you know, what my intuition was telling me to do. Sure. You've launched Seed to Harvest, mm -hmm. which is a really, really cool book. I'd love for you to talk about, you know, why you decided to pursue that and, and thought you needed to write a book like that. And if there was anything like that already. Yeah. 
So Seed Harvest is an illustrated guide to venture capital. Although it looks like a kid's book, it's definitely for adults as well. And my main goal with Seed to Harvest started out as a way to explain to my parents across the dinner table what I was like nerding out about. Because I would spend all this time on Twitter when I was in my senior year um, during COVID, like learning about all this interesting venture stuff and telling my parents and um, my mom's an artist, my dad's an engineer. We didn't really come from like a big tech family. Uh, and so I would have to like explain all of these interesting like overarching concepts. And I realized that there wasn't a great way to do that already. And so I started writing Seed to Harvest just as a guide um, with really terrible stick drawings. And um, I spent about three months writing it and then with the encouragement of a few well-placed and um, loving comments about my drawing ability, <laughs> ended up hiring my younger brother Owen to illustrate the book and, and his drawings just took it to like, I would say the highest level of the, the vision that I had for the project. And it kind of catapulted my, um, my start into venture as well. It's how I met my business partner, Josh, for Behind Genius Ventures, it's how I met um, the founder that I made uh, my first syndicate investment in, I met a bunch of uh, syndicate LPs from it. So it was really an incredible experience that I grew a lot over um, that book. But it started as a way to explain things. And I think the final goal started to become more a goal of representing diversity in an industry that traditionally hasn't had a lot of diversity. So for some context, 11% um, of venture capitalists with check writing power are women, uh, you know, uh, less than 5% are uh, people of color. And I think that this has also reflected in the disparity of, of companies getting funded. And so I took it, um, you know, I, I didn't like write publicly about this, but I just made all of the drawings in the book really diverse. And so it didn't matter who was going to get the book, they would see themselves represented in this industry and see that as a future for them. And, and that was really important to me. So it's been inspiring to hear about um, venture capitalists that have reached out to me and, and said, you know, hey, I never had a way to explain to my daughter what I did before. And I'm really excited that you provided me with that, that avenue to speak with her. So um, yeah, it's it's been cool to see that grow as well. For sure. And so yeah, you mentioned behind Genius Ventures. I'd love to hear the story, I guess, on how that formed, how you decided to pursue, you know, raising that fund alongside Josh and coming up with with this interesting thesis. Absolutely. So Josh and I met through Seed to Harvest. We were introduced by a fellow um, Twitter mutual, both of ours, who's now an LP in our fund. And he just said one day, like, hey, you should really meet this guy. He's working on syndicates. He's interested in the same type of, types of companies. Um, so we set up like a weekly deal flow call and that turned into like daily text messages. We bounced different ideas off each other. At the time, um, he was recruiting for startups, and so he's seeing like a lot of really interesting early stage startups. Got to know each other on cap tables as well, and teamed up. Uh, like late last year, to work through the vision of building the next generation venture firm. I'm 22. Josh is 24. Uh, you don't often as a founder get to see your peers across the table. And for us, that's a position of honor and one that we think through with a lot of intentionality. 
Um, and so Behind Genius Ventures is an early stage venture firm. We invest at the intersection of the future of work and the future of play. The future of play. Um, I think one thing that's funny to me is um, my dad always said like, you know, work hard, play hard, but that's kind of become our like firm mottos. We want to invest in, you know, not only dev tools and the creator ecosystem, but also media, gaming and entertainment. We think that there's this return to a really like holistic life, seeing a lot of the effects of burnout. Um, and so we also invest in like wellness as well. And so yeah, it's, it's been a pretty incredible journey. I can't unfortunately speak on um, an open fundraise, but it's been uh, an incredible journey so far. And we're so lucky to be supported by both tenured investors and first time LPs. I think that's been one of my favorite parts of the process is working with folks who, um, you know, didn't come from generational wealth and didn't, you know, this wasn't an opportunity that they thought that they would get to have is like investing in a venture fund. And it's a very like educational process uh, for both of us. So that, yeah, it's, it, it's just been a joy. And I went full time on the fund um, a week ago. And so, yeah, it's been <laughs> pretty crazy. Yeah, that, that flows really well into my next question in, in terms of how how did you manage to, you know, work your full-time job and to see, see to harvest, do these syndicates, start raising the fund? <laughs> how how do you do all of that? Yeah, so um, for some context, I started uh, at WorkOS as a developer success engineer in May of 2020. I started writing Seed to Harvest in July of 2020. I started doing syndicates in... November, I deployed a little under 300, uh, a little over 300K in early stage syndicate deals. So I think I had done six deals in a very short amount of time. Um, so lots of nights and weekends, and um, it was definitely a lot. Um, and I'm still kind of refactoring my life to not work that many hours and, and have like a more healthy work life balance. I think one of the things that came out of me working so hard on nights and weekends was that I needed to make time to prioritize myself because I can't support founders um, or, you know, collaborate with other investors, fundraise, you know, help other like go through the like fundraising process with founders. Well, if I'm not 100% and so that became a lot more important to me. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it kind of just like falls into place as you do more things. Um, and I've just sacrificed a lot of sleep. Yeah, fair enough. And, you know, I've seen you grow your Twitter following over the past year. How did Twitter play a part in, in your journey? Um, how big of a part did it play? Twitter played an enormous uh, part in my journey. I think I wouldn't have been able to express my passion for venture and get to democratize a lot of the opaque terms and things like that in venture without it. And I also wouldn't have met, um, you know, my best friend, Josh, who I'm now building behind Genius Ventures with. Um, I wouldn't have met a bunch of our LPs, wouldn't have met a lot of the founders that we've invested in. And it's really given me the opportunity to participate in the Silicon Valley style business without being in Silicon Valley. And to me, that was one of the biggest concerns when I had this growing passion for venture is, um, you know, I want to be in, with my family in San Diego and I want to live there, but I also want to like participate in this economy and being online and, and being 
on Twitter has allowed me to do so. And now I feel lucky to be able to invest alongside the folks that I once, you know, looked up to as a, as like a, a couple of years ago, just not knowing much about the industry. Sure. Like I, I met you through Twitter as well. So that was, yeah, exactly. That was interesting. Um, what's probably the most challenging thing you faced as you've started, you know, doing your syndicates and investing? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. Okay. So this is a big difference between managing a fund and making angel investments or syndicate investments is when you're doing syndicate investments, you're finding folks who have an incredible idea, um, awesome, you know, background, charisma, storytelling ability, grit, hustle, all of those things. And you're not really considering like fun construction, which is really important um, when you're running a fund, because then it kind of is, is more a conversation of, okay, how does this company play into our overall thesis and strategy? How does it fit the stage we invest in? When you're running a syndicate or you're angel investing, it's, it's much more of a personal decision. And so I think one of the challenges that's been an exciting challenge to go through is, you know, how that investment process shifts as you're a fund manager versus a syndicate lead or an angel investor. And I think it's added a constraint that has brought richness to my decision making, which has been really exciting. But definitely, I would, I would say, um, you know, a, a big transition to make in a small amount of time. Yeah, that's that's a very interesting point. I'd like to also talk about a secret obsession of yours that not many people know about. Ooh, I'm pretty obsessed with plants. Like, really obsessed. My mom loves variegated plants, which are like these. They have different colors on the leaves. It goes along with listening to my intuition. I think I used to kill a lot of plants. Like, there are a lot of dead plants in my backyard from me not taking good care of them. And this year, I really started investing time into learning and like listening to how plants were growing and taking care of them. And a lot of it was just like listening to my intuition and being like, hey, you know, you're looking a little dehydrated today. You should use some water. And it honestly made me take better care of myself because I was like, oh, if that plant's dehydrated, like I should probably take a drink of water as well. Um, So I say plants. I have at least six plant books. And then also spatial audio has been a topic that I've nerded out on over the past year. So one of my favorite classes in college was speech processing. I'm really interested in how, um, you know, communication works as a whole, but also the physical logistics of transferring sound. And yeah, audio has always been really cool to me. I've loved music. I've, I've loved everything about audio. So that's, I think that's one of the only textbooks from college I go back and reread. I love it. Those are very interesting obsessions. Is there a specific investor or, you know, a couple of investors that you really look up to? The couple, Andy Wiseman at USP in his thoughtfulness and holistic approach has always really inspired me. I felt really lucky that he became an LP in Behind Genius Ventures. Feel really lucky to, you know, he'll respond to an update and be like, hey, like, how did you make this decision? What do you think about that? And it's not coming from a judging place. It's more uh, honest, curious, and interested perspective, which I really appreciate. And I think he's made some incredible investing decisions before. Um, I also have really enjoyed getting to know Brian Kimmel. Um, Brie, more recently, 
she's been a role model for me, both as a, a solo GP. I, I'm full-time on the fund and Josh is part-time, so semi-solo GP, but um, we make decisions 50-50. And, and so she's been really instrumental in like how to carry myself in the investing world and thinking through building a firm also in investing in, in great companies, defining the future of work and the future of play. Um, she's been great to like jam on thesis with. And um, I, I think that um, Eric Bond and the team at Hustle Fund has been really, really interesting to watch and, and see how they've been able to sort of go about a very different portfolio construction route, um, you know, writing smaller checks and then falling on later and, and and supporting a wide variety of, of founders um, and focusing really heavily on that like hustle aspect of, of how people run their business and execute. I really look up to Eric and admire him and could be more grateful for his continued support in, in our journey at Behind Genius Ventures as well. Yeah, those are some great investors for sure. Finally, are you able to talk about um, a publicly announced investment that you've recently made and why did you make it? trying to think about ones that I can do publicly. I'm not going to announce any publicly quite yet, but I will talk about them in more depth in a future podcast episode. Okay, sure. Are you able to talk about any of your syndicate deals? Yes, I can talk about those. Um, Sure, I'll talk about Palette, which is an incredible company. It was my first syndicate deal. And I met Kai when he texted my community number and was asking some questions around community and content based on my experience on Twitter. And I was like, hey, do you have any like allocation left? And he was like, yeah, of course. Um, or not, of course. He was he was kind of like the, well, the angel, but the angel part of the round is closed. Like we're taking like selective checks. We're pretty oversubscribed. And I was like, oh. Um, and so I ended up raising like 60K in two weeks when I had never raised a syndicate before. And it was really scary. But Palette is this incredible platform that allows content creators and community builders to build job boards and help their communities hire great people. Um, One thing that's really separate from this via LinkedIn is the job search is traditionally very one-dimensional. You go on LinkedIn, you apply for a job, you're like, never hear back. You're like, okay, do you guys just forget about me? Or, and then as a as a recruiter on LinkedIn, you're sorting through all of these um, different applications. No one really like, you know, it's a bit harder to like pull out people who stand out that might be from non-traditional backgrounds. Palette really offers the opportunity to have a community curated, both like talent pool and then also um, job list. So it's like, oh, hey, like I follow Packy McCormick and I really enjoy his writing. I think he'd have a great curation of different companies to work for and, and he has a palette board. So I can go and apply for those different jobs sorted by like my interests, my um, level of experience. And so I think they've been absolutely crushing it and allowing creators to monetize in a way where they used to have to pay like $300 a month to like host job boards. And uh, I speak for my fellow community builders when I say you don't often make a ton of money in uh, or any money at all, for that matter, um, in the beginning days of growing a community. And, and so it's providing a really valuable stream of income for a lot of these, um, uh, I, would, I would say like medium-sized creators as well. They have some large creators on the platform, but I think the income stream is really, really, really important for kind of like that middle 
class of creator folks that might be able to go like full time if they can if they can monetize that community that they built. The sure, Palette is definitely an interesting company. That's all um, all the questions I've had, Paige. Thanks awesome. so much for joining me. I you yeah, know I, I enjoyed the chat. Yeah, me too. Thanks so much for having me.